How you guys doing? Welcome to The Six. For those who don't know, my name is Devante. I'm our young adults pastor here at Wave Church. During worship, I had a moment of where, um, man, I was just thinking about this old song. I think it's Bishop Peterson. Let me act like I don't know. I looked it up. You know what I'm saying? But there's this old song by Bishop Peterson, and he says, when I think about the goodness of Jesus, how my soul cries out, hallelujah. Okay, we got some old saints up in here tonight. I like it. Okay. But I was just thinking about it of like, man, how good has God really been to all of us? Like, I don't know what kind of week you may have just like walked in on and I don't know, I don't know how you even found yourself in the six tonight, but I was just reminded when I think of the goodness of Jesus, how my soul, it cries out, hallelujah. Hallelujah is just a fancy word for thanks. And I don't know what kind of week, like I said, you guys may have walked in here with, but there's something in here we could be thankful for about the goodness and the grace of Jesus. I'm just trying to stir some faith in here tonight. Like, I don't know what it is that Jesus has protected you from. I don't know what provision he may has given you. I don't know how much he, encouragement he has, he's given you this week, but I'm just trying to stir some faith. When I think about the goodness of Jesus, how my soul it cries, hallelujah. Jesus is still seated on the throne. I don't care who's in office, Jesus is still seated on the throne. I don't know how much money you may have in your bank account. I don't know what school may hold for you. I don't know if you even have gas in your tank. But when I think about how good Jesus has been in my life, how my soul, it cries. Hallelujah. Welcome to the six. We are so very excited that each and every one of you guys are in here tonight. And we don't take it for granted. The next best thing for you to do tonight, come kick it with us at Lolly's. Getting some ice cream, you know what I'm saying? Brent, ice cream. You know what I'm saying? All right, cool, cool, cool. Well, I'm going to just hop right into the word. But before I do, my mom and dad are here. My brother is here, too. I think everybody here might know my brother by this time, too, because he's just such a clown, but I love you so much. Um, But yeah, I'm just so thankful. Thank you guys for making the drive down here tonight. I was actually not uh, supposed to know that they were coming down here, but I FaceTimed my brother, and he actually told me, like, yeah, we're on our way. I was like, who's we? And he said that my mom and dad were coming down here. Little did I know they were trying to surprise me, but, you know, there's my brother. Just ruining the surprise. I'm thinking about the time with Janie, but that's a different story with a different day. But actually, no, I'll tell it. It's cool. Um, When I proposed to Janie, I had my family all come down, you know, try and help get things set up and things of that sort. So I took Janie to dinner, and it was funny because my brother actually calls me at dinner. And he was like, yeah, bro, like, where you at? Like, we're all, like, ready. And I'm like, you idiot. Like, no, you can't do that. Like, it's it's part of the surprise. But he literally didn't get it. But love you so much, bro. Um, But before we go on any further, I can't... um, take another step without just saying thank you to Pastor Stephen Sharon, our amazing senior pastors here at the church. For those who don't know, Pastor Stephen Sharon, man, you're missing out. They are phenomenal. And there's a lot of different things that I can say, but all I can say to them is just thank you. Like, they're absolutely, absolutely phenomenal. And without them, we would not even be sitting in the service tonight at the six as well, too. So can we honor our senior pastors? Thank you to the band. You guys can take your seats as well, too. Yeah, I love the band, you know. I've got a lot to say and a little time to say it. So turn with me in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. And there you will find the portion of Scripture that we will be reading tonight. And it says this. The descendants of Jacob numbered 70 in all, and Joseph was already in Egypt. 
Now Joseph and all of his brothers in that generation died, but the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly, and they increased in numbers and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. Then a new king, whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. Look, he said, the people to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, let us deal with them shrewdly, or they will become even more numerous, and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us and leave the country. Hmm. Would you guys pray for me? I'm just not pray for me, pray with me, sorry. <laughs> Jesus, right now, I thank you for every single person who was in here, God. God, I pray that you slow all of our spirits down, slow our hearts, God, and we pray that you would open our ears and open our hearts to receive your word. God, I've done everything that I possibly can, but God, I can't do this without you, and I will not. God, speak to all of our hearts today. Let us have laughs, let us make memories, but God, out of all things, we pray for salvations to happen in this place tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. I got a question. Um, have you ever had a bounty on your head? Yeah, I know, super random, right? Um, I'm going somewhere with this, just stick with me. Uh, I still serve in our youth ministry here at the church and we recently went to summer camp back in the month of July and I'll never forget one of the days I'm walking outside from my cabin and early in the morning I got my glasses, like my thick glasses on and so some kid, he throws a ball at the back of my head and I'm like, yo, like, what was that? And I turn around and I see this little, like, pipsqueak and he's, like, like frozen, like, oh my gosh, what did I just do? And I'm like, yo, like, what's up? But ironically, he was, like, trying to run inside of his cabin, but um, his cabin mates actually locked him out of his room. And so he had to deal with the consequences, of course. Like, I felt like a dad there. I was like, hey, man, you can't, you, like, you know what I'm saying? And so it was funny because I'm like, yo, like, bro, what's up? Like, why'd you do that? Like, I got to remember, like, I'm a youth leader and a pastor because I'm, like, low-key ready to square up with this kid. And so he says to me, he was like, oh, man, like, sorry, it's nothing personal. I'm like, what you mean it's nothing personal? You just hit me in the back of the head with a ball. Like, why did you do that? And this is what he says to me. Ah, oh, sorry, bro. You got a bounty on your head. I have a what on my head? He's like, yeah, you got a bounty on your head. Somebody paid me to take you out. So, you know, I've got to, like, be all stern youth leader, like, hey, sir, like, don't do that and whatever. And, like, I send him off, and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Before you go, how 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 much was my bounty? I'm just curious, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I felt so deeply offended because this kid told me somebody paid him $5 and an Almond Joy to take me out. $5 and an Almond Joy? An Almond Joy? Who goes to Food Line and says, hey, like, sweetie, you can get any type of candy you want, and the kid's like, oh, Almond Joy. Like, Almond Joys are disgusting. Like, they taste like air freshener. I was so offended. Uh, Almond Joy? The only candy that's worse than that is a curly whirly for all my Aussies in here as well too. I despise a curly whirly. They're disgusting, honestly. And I use this immature, silly, goofy story because there's a piece of truth that I wanna, I wanna pull out of this story. And the context of the scripture that we just read, we need to go back generations prior till and take a look at Abraham. Like y'all know who Abraham, Father Abraham, how many sons turn up? How many sons have father Abraham? Okay, y'all getting ratchet. Okay, I like it. Um, so Abraham, he was the father of many nations. And so Abraham, for all of us who may not know who he is, he's this guy in the Bible and God actually sees him and he's like, yo, 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 like that faith that you have, I'm gonna count that as righteousness for you. And God actually gives Abraham 
this promise, like, hey, man, like, I, you're, you're going to be, you're, I'm going to bless you, like, I'm going to give you, like, a lot of kids one day, and then, like, you know, count, look up at the stars, like, count the stars if you can, and that's how many offspring that you'll have. I'm going to make you into a powerful nation, and then not only that, but, like, everybody who blesses you, I'm going to bless them, and everyone who curses you, I'm going to curse them as well, but quick side note, when I was thinking about Abraham, it made me think about how many generations before me did God give my ancestors a promise that I get to live in the fruit of today? And vice versa, how many promises is God giving me today that I'll never see, but my kids, my grandkids, my great-grandkids for generations to come that they'll live in the promise of because of the righteousness that I try my best to demonstrate today that they'll be able to live in the fruit of later down the line. But the problem with this is that Abraham receives this promise and God's like, yeah, I'm gonna bless you, but Abraham's wife actually is barren and she can't have kids. So fast forward, if y'all, I'm summarizing a lot of scripture. Go back to Genesis and just read all of it. And so literally, like God gives Abraham a son and his name is Isaac and then Isaac grows up and has a family of his own and he has a son named Jacob. That story gets ratchet and then, you know, then Jacob has a son as well too but he was actually like really fruitful and multiplied and he had 12 sons and so one of his 12 sons who was the youngest, his name was Joseph and Joseph's story gets, it gets deep. But this is where we pick up the scripture because now the Bible is saying that the nation or this, this family this group of people known as the Hebrews that they were actually exceedingly fruitful and they, they was really multiplying. And we pick up the story here, but the problem with this is that they're actually immigrants in Egypt for 430 years. And during this time frame, they actually didn't have a home or land to even call their own. And while the Bible says that these Israelites, they were still exceedingly, I'm sorry, exceedingly fruitful. Can we put verse eight up there on the screen? Okay, cool. Then it says this. Then a king to whom Joseph meant nothing came into power. Like, I've had a lot of different thoughts over these scriptures, and so y'all better get all of them. But correct me if I'm wrong, but when I was in elementary school, middle school, high school, I was never told that whoever ruled the nation of Egypt, they were called a king. They were called a what? A pharaoh. And so here in the Bible, we see a delineation and the language of there wasn't a pharaoh, but there was actually a new king. And so I actually studied into this in, in the year of 1730 BC, around that time frame, there was a group of nomadic people known as the Hyksos that actually invaded the nation of Egypt. And during this time frame, they actually displaced the king and they took complete power and rule over Egypt during this time frame. And then years later, about 150 years later, there's you know, war that breaks out, things of that sort, but there's the Pharaoh known as Ahmos the first who actually comes back and he takes the Hyksos out and then he actually regains power of the country. It's interesting. Title of my message tonight, and that's my long introduction, the title of my message tonight is That Is Not Our Enemy. I'm not teaching doctrine over these people I'm using a portion of scripture that gives a delineation in language where the history clearly supports what the Bible is saying to present a thought and ask a simple question for all of us tonight. What enemy are we really facing? Maybe things in life that we label an enemy, maybe they aren't an enemy at all, 
but maybe they are a symptom of a deeper underlying enemy that we fail to see. What problems do we face? Point one is this, is that's not our enemy. What problems and challenges are we facing that we think is a problem, but it's actually a symptom of a deeper problem underneath the surface that we fail to see? And the thing is, is that we spend all of our time attacking a symptom of a problem, but in reality, there's something underneath the surface that we're completely missing. I'm gonna take a sip of water. Maybe, <clears throat> woo, choked almost. <laughs> Maybe, honestly, our wardrobe isn't the problem. Maybe it's our insecurity that's the problem. Maybe our parents aren't the problem. Maybe it's our lack of honor. Maybe the government isn't our challenge. Maybe it's who we really put our faith in that's the problem. Maybe even still, I can get so practical with this, maybe even the speed of which our apps download on our phone isn't the problem. Maybe it's our patience that is. And every time that our app doesn't upload on the speed of which we wish and we try and refresh and we try and refresh, that the ugly head of, oh yeah, I have a lack of patience, it shows itself every single time. Maybe tithing isn't our problem. Maybe the church doesn't want our money. Maybe the real enemy underneath the surface is that we don't, we don't think that God is actually the provider of all of our needs. Maybe the church isn't our problem. Maybe we were challenged by a leader years ago and then we inherited an offense and then we'll label them as, an, as the enemy, but in reality, there's a leader who loves us and who cares about us and held us accountable for a mistake that we made and we'll label the church as an enemy, but in reality, it's our pride. Maybe our job isn't the enemy. Maybe we envy somebody else's position. And maybe, just maybe, just asking a question, maybe the literal enemy is using that insecurity to pull us away from where God has anointed us to fix a problem, and we hop from job to job every other month, every other week, and we tell people that my job is the worst, but reality, it's the best because God has placed us there to fix the problem, but we won't stay put long enough for God to reveal purpose for us, and we tell people things like, oh man, my job is the worst, and maybe it's not that. Maybe we just have a fear of the future, and we're just trying to hold on to something and say, oh yeah, that's exactly where I was going. In reality, we never trusted God in the first place. Studies show that this group of people known as the Hyksos, they actually derived somewhere in Western Asia and their location wasn't pinpointed. They never had a real place to call their own and they would go from place to place conquering all these different people and upon completion, they never even had their own identity. So what they would do is they would take on the ideologies of all these other people and they would put themselves there as if they were really supposed to be there. And so here we find foreign people in a foreign country leading foreign people when they themselves didn't belong. And honestly, how many of us in here, we might do the same thing? We try and conquer jobs, relationships, hookups. Like, who can I hook up with tonight? Trendy clothes, friend groups, expectations, personality traits. The crazy thing about this is, I, don't, I really don't want to do this, but here we go. Now, this was really my story for so many years. Literally in every single way listed, 
that, that's literally me. Like, for so many years, I felt as if like I had to conquer, oh, how many people can I talk to in high school? And how many people can I date in high school? And how many people can I hang out with? And how many likes can I get on Instagram? And you know, like, am I, am I looking cool enough? Am I, am I fly enough? Are people like, you know, listening to the stuff that I gotta say? And it's like, why do we do stuff like that? I would hop from relationship to relationship to relationship, conquering everything in sight, feeling as if like, oh yeah, I'm the man, but in reality, I was masking my own insecurity. And what ends up happening is we just mask it. And we never, ever acknowledge what the real problem is. For myself, I never acknowledged that true identity of a man wasn't finding cultural standards because they're always changing. But real identity is found in the word of God. Social media may be a trap for all of us in here tonight as well. For myself, 100%. I'm just gonna pick on me. So this is all me. But I would even find myself seeking validation from how many likes I got on Instagram. And oh, who commented on my post? Or does Pastor Steve, does he follow me on Instagram? Like, my job became an idol in my own eyes. Of like, oh man, like when I get to that position, then that's when I'll step into my calling. That's when God can really start to use me. That's when I'll stand out. That's when I'll receive an anointing from God. Not realizing that the same validation and the same way that I'll preach a message is the same well done that I'll get from stacking chairs after a leaders meeting. And the same well done that I got from working three and a half years in our maintenance department, cutting grass. Not gonna do it, Jane, I'm not gonna do it. But dare I say it, My enemy wasn't my job description or my calling. Maybe I built an idol in my heart, seeking a position and validation from people over seeking validation from the one who will never take it back. May I suggest, I'm, not, I'm trying my best not to get all teary-eyed. I, may I suggest to all of us that we all have an enemy underneath the surface that we are missing. Things in our heart that we label an enemy, but in reality, there is something else that God wants to put his hand on. He says, can I take that from you? May I be your provider? May I encourage you? May I comfort you? May I validate you? So many different times we treat symptoms of the problem completely negating that there is an enemy underneath the surface. So once again, I just want to ask a question. I don't care if people amen over this. I really have a question because I have a burden in my heart tonight. What enemy are we really facing? Is it your enemy or could it actually be a symptom of a deeper problem underneath the surface. Point two is this, is that the enemy is always after the next generation. It's so crazy to me because this group of people, like, you know, they invade, like, cool, like, they take over Egypt, but then, you know, Egypt was like, nah, 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 chief, like, that's not how it's gonna roll, we're gonna take it back, and all this other different things, but it was interesting to me because here in the text, uh, let's see where it is, let's see, let's see, let's see. Let's put verses nine and 10, it says, look, he said to his people, the Israelites have uh, become far too numerous for us. Come, 
We must deal with them shrewdly or they will become even more numerous and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and leave the country. And it's crazy because we, we, we see here that they got invaded. The Pharaoh takes back control of this country, but what he ends up doing is to make sure that nothing like this ever happens again. Like I see that these Israelite people, like I see that they're becoming too numerous. So to avoid another invasion, let's just put them in slavery to make sure that this doesn't happen again. And it's so unfortunate because this Pharaoh, this king of this time frame, what he ends up doing is he enslaves people when God saw them as a nation. And could it be that maybe the fear that was underneath the surface that he failed to confront, that he ended up putting people in slavery when God had created them to be something else? And for the next however many generations, people identified as a group of slaves when God said, I see them as a nation. All because of one man had fear in his heart that he failed to confront. And because of this, he ended up projecting this onto somebody else and to other peoples and millions of lives in the course of human history literally changed because of one man. I'll never forget a few weeks ago, um, I was at home and I was taking a shower and I felt like God had like, he spoke to me in the shower and he was like, hey, like, tell your wife that, that, that you're proud of her. And I was like, oh, that, that's, that's random, okay. Um, Jane, yeah? Hey, sweetheart, um, I'm just so proud of you. And this is what got me. Her response was, well, what'd I do? And I was like, uh, nothing. Like, I'm just proud of you. Like, I just love you. You're my wife. Like, I'm just, I'm just proud of you. And as I was preparing this message, God brought this story back to my mind. He said, hey, you remember when I asked you to tell Jane you're proud of her? And I was like, yeah. He's like, that's your enemy right there. My enemy is Janie? <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't miss this. And he says, No. And for so long, I felt as if validation for how much I did, how cool I looked, and I don't know, how well I even performed, I felt as if that's where my validation came from. Could it be? Could it, could it honestly be that the woman who I've committed my, my life to, could it be that I projected onto her a performance-based love? Could it be because... In my own heart, I feel as if the way that I do things and the way that I perform, that's when I'll be accepted in love. Could it be that I projected this onto her? When God looks at me and he says, no, 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 son. Regardless of what you do, I'm proud of you. I love you. I choose you. You don't have to get anything right. You don't have to perform even if you completely missed the mark, I'm still proud of you. And this wrecked me. Thank God Janie and I don't have kids yet, but I'm just like, yo, like, if I had kids, like, it would absolutely, like, destroy me to think that I, I project onto my kids, like, yeah, you've got to earn dad's love when Jesus freely gives it to all of us. I'm just asking a question. What enemy 
do we really face? Point three is this, is that your enemy could actually be your ally. Your enemy could be your ally. I don't know, when I was just looking at the text, it was just really funny because it's like, what if this king actually didn't enslave millions of people? Like, think about it. Like, what if he actually made his enemy into his ally? Like, he literally was so concerned and he was like, yeah, bro, it's gonna be real bad if they join our enemies. But I'm like, yo, what if they joined you? What if instead of labeling them as an enemy, what if you actually took that? You're like, you know what? Let's teach them how to fight. Like, let's get them some swords. Let's get them some javelins. Let's get them some horses. Like, let's make these people who are our enemy, let's actually make them our allies so the next time that our enemies may come up against us, we roll up like, yo, like, what's up? We ready for all the smoke. <laughs> Fair question. And how many times have we honestly just done this? Like, we're so obsessed with our next season that we misuse and we abuse the blessing of the season and right now and today. That job that we hate so much, what if God is actually using that to work on our character? That roommate that never cleans up, what if God is actually bringing them into your life to teach us discipline? That depression, that anxiety that we're wishing away and we're like, God, please just take this away from me. What if God actually is using this season of where it is that you can relate and empathize with people so that when he does bring the breakthrough, that you'll be able to reach people unlike anyone else other before. Maybe our singleness isn't an enemy. Maybe it's actually here for a blessing for us right now, for God to work on us, on our insecurities, and even still to work on our issues. I'll never forget when I, I, was, I wanted a date and all this other different things, but Pastor Josh, he came to me. Well, I went to him, sorry, and I was like, yo, like, I, I, I'm trying to date, bro. And he literally was like, no, no, no. Give it a year. A year? A year. Okay. And literally, I submitted myself to godly wisdom, even though I did not agree with it. And I never realized how many insecure, like, why did I need a girlfriend at this time? Oh, I just, I need somebody. What enemy is there underneath the surface? The anxiety that I struggled with for years. What if God actually used this season in my own life? I'm talking about my own story. The anxiety that I struggle with, God used this season for me to show the importance of getting into his word. It made me hold on to God unlike any other time in my entire life. And I'm learning and I, and I, lear I learned and I'm still learning the power of praying in tongues. And that the way I get strong in the spirit is by praying in the spirit. Currently for my wife and I, we're believing for a house. And my younger brother, he, got, he just got a house built. And I'm not gonna look at him and envy it in any type of way, shape, or form. I'm gonna celebrate him. So yeah, I will shout you out on Instagram. I will go to your house and crash your house. I will spill food on the floor and not clean it up. Like, <laughs> but I'm not gonna use this moment or this season of my life to envy what somebody else has and says, oh, that's an enemy right there. So no, 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 no. God's using this season of my life with my wife and I to stir our faith for when we do have a house. So right now, you know what I got? I got love for my 700 square foot apartment because God has placed me here. All of us, we have an enemy that may be underneath the surface that we feel to confront. And I don't know. 
this insecure Pharaoh potentially missed the opportunity of a lifetime that literally could have changed the course of history simply if he was to flip it around and not see the season of his life as an enemy, but see it as an ally. Full transparency, I, I, gotta, I gotta just talk about what I'm, I mess up on because you know I do it all the time. Um, right, Jane? <laughs> so for the past few weeks leading up to this, I was writing this message, I really felt like God like, gave me this burden for it and it was really interesting because I felt like I hit this, this wall. Like I wasn't anxious or depressed or anything like that. I just felt like I just hit a red light of like, oh, okay. And it was really funny because I couldn't sleep. I couldn't like think straight. I was waking up in the middle of the night, like tossing and turning like, yo, like what is, I'm trying to figure out like, how can I, how can I present this message, this thought, whatever. And I went to my wife and I was like, hey, like, like what are your thoughts? Like what, like, what should I do? Like, you know what I'm saying? I went to Pastor Jared, who he's not here tonight, but I went to Pastor Jared and I was like, yo, like Pastor Jerry, like I, I need some help. Like, can you help me give some wisdom, give me some perspective? Jared gave me some wisdom and perspective and it, like it just didn't, it just didn't help. And not like that, you know what I'm saying? Like it just didn't help. <laughs> but you know what's funny? Like I finally went in my office and I closed the door and I just started playing worship music. And I was like, God, like, like, what up? Isn't it funny that I went to people first instead of actually seeking God first? I'm, I'm not trying to make this seem as if, like, oh, I'm a pastor, I've arrived. Like, you know, I just do as I say. Like, no, I'm still a young adult, and I'm still walking through this stuff as well. And I'm like, yo, like, God, what up? And God began to deal with my heart, and he was like, yo, you've got an idol in your heart. That's a strong, that's strong, God. Like, are you serious? So I popped my AirPods in. And I went on a walk, literally around the, the building and just praying and, hmm. Those moments are so special. For those who don't know, I mentioned it briefly, but I used to work in our maintenance department here for three and a half years and legit, like legit just doing the most odd jobs, most random things like patching holes in walls, painting the walls and like cleaning like coffee stains off the carpets and cutting the grass, pulling weeds, like literally I did all of that. And so I've seen every square inch of this building. And as I was walking around, God really began just to speak to me. He legit told me, he said, you feel as if you're more valuable based on how well you do, or how well you perform. You feel as if your calling is dictated on your position. But the challenge with this is, as my position over the years has changed, my heart posture remained the same. And so God legitimately took me back to the basics of the moments of where I was pulling weeds at our picnic pavilion. Showed me the moments where I put holes in walls and just messed up. Sorry, Dwayne. God is just reminiscing. Yay, Devonta, you remember how you put the hole in the wall there? Yeah. You were a cult then? You're still a cult now. You remember how you painted Brianna's office and you, you painted it the wrong color? Legit, still to this day, it's the wrong color. <laughs> if you go in there, it's your boy. 
And God reminded me, you're anointed then and you're anointed now. Pulling weeds, not feeling seen. I saw you then. I see you now. Preaching to those three kids in 2020 through the pandemic. I called you then. And as you step into the season of leading young adults and you still don't know what you're doing, I've called you now. I'm a pastor and I completely missed it. Like, th this, is, this is my story. This is, this is the enemy that I had underneath the surface that I, I failed to confront. And on my walk, I was just reminded of two things. God was the one who called me and he was the one who validated me. And not only that, but he reminded me of this verse in Isaiah 43, verses 18 through 19. It says this, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. In a moment, the team can come on up. In a moment, we're about to spend a few moments in worship. And we're about to sing a song called New Thing by Hillsong Young and Free. And there's nothing special about this song. Maybe it lines up with this verse, but this was the song that I legitimately was just on my walk on. And God just began to minister to me. All those mistakes, Devante, forget about it. Remember when I called you? Forget about that. Forget about the way I spoke to you here. Forget about the provision I gave you here. Forget about how I speared you here. Forget about how I confronted you here. Because all of the things that I did in the past all fall in comp into comparison to what I'm about to do because I'm about to do a new thing. And God began to refill me. God began to speak to me. God began to re rejuvenate me, to validate me. And I really feel as I just got my oil back. I don't really care if people applaud over this. I got my well done. But the thing is this, is even though I've dropped it in the past, thanks be to Christ Jesus, who is my Lord and Savior, who says, Devante, I want to do a new thing. All I'm doing tonight is I want to just tell my story to help us all understand that we have an enemy underneath the surface. We're about to go into worship and just let the song just minister to you. What enemy do we really have underneath the surface that we just don't confront? Maybe it's not our marriages. Maybe God has just brought us an amazing spouse so they could deal with our pride. Maybe our friends aren't the challenge. Maybe God's trying to bring something out of us where he uses us to be a little bit more confronting with people in our lives. I don't know. I've told my story because I don't want anyone in here to think like, oh, like this is just for those people. Like, no, 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 no. I'm dealing with it still too. I chatted with my wife, I chatted with Caleb, and I chatted with Caleb Helmlinger, who's probably doing sound, or there he is. Shared all of this stuff transparently with them. But tonight, let's all stand to our feet. I just wanna pray. God, I did my best and here we are. Holy Spirit, thank you for moving. God, we pray that tonight you just put your hand on the areas where you need us to confront. Because we all have an enemy. But Jesus, help us to identify it, to conquer it, and to now label it as an ally. 
Jesus, thank you so very much for the blood that you shed on that cross because without you, none of this would even be possible. So God, we love you, we thank you, and we ask you right now, Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts.